Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Berg Steeler fans. What's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Monday. It is a Monday morning conversation. Excited for this one. We have Jim Wexel of the Steel City Insider joining us today to talk about all things Steelers. Have some really great questions and really great conversation from him. Uh, make sure you stay till the very end, obviously, to get all the information pertaining to the Steel Curtain Network and what you might have to do in the coming days and weeks as it pertains to the Let's Ride podcast. Before we get to Jim's interview, though, I do want to mention, we'll talk about Mason Cole being released in the interview. But if you listened over the weekend, and if you haven't, I'm going to tell you to go back and check it out. Myself, Brian Davis, did a breaking news podcast. Our source called us up and said, hey, we got some news and we got some information. Uh, some of that was obviously about the, the Mason Rudolph situation where he's going to have suitors outside of Pittsburgh, and that, that's going to be something they're going to have to deal with. The Steelers are not interested in a bidding war with any teams. I get it. But then we heard some names from within the organization that could have some connections. And one of those, I made a mistake. Jimmy Morrissey, who played at Pitt with Kenny uh, Pickett, he was not on a team, but he signed a futures contract with the New York Giants. So unless he gets released, he's not going to be available unless they somehow trade for him or something like that. So still, I want to make that clarification. Our boy Roy Countryman, he's the one that hit me up and said, hey, Jeff, I'm pretty sure this guy signed a futures contract, and he was right. So uh, that's that's my bad. That is my bad. And make sure you check out Roy's podcast, The Steelers Blueprint, wherever you get your podcast by saying Steelers Blueprint. He's going to do two podcasts a week leading up to the draft. You're not going to want to miss that stuff. If you love the Steelers, and the way that they approach the draft and free agency. Really good insight from him. 
And I do thank him for calling me out on that. In the meantime, we have Jim Wexel of SteelCityInsider.com. You've heard him on the Steel City Insider podcast on the Steel Curtain Network, but it's time for me to pepper him with questions. We'll get to that conversation right after this break. Stay tuned. All right, Steeler fans, it's Monday morning. It means it's time for the Monday morning conversation. And I'm excited to have, actually, a guy that you've heard on the Steel Curtain Network before, Jim Wexel and the Steel City Insider. What's up, Jim? How's it going? Good, Jeff. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. You were off last week. I know Jeremy was a little ill and under the weather, so he didn't have a podcast. I was like, hey, I'll bring Jim on, and he can talk on my show on Monday, and let's get his takes. You know, I talked about this uh, with the, the news happening over, well, I guess it's Friday. Mason Cole gets released. Jim, were you shocked? Uh, I shocked is not the right word. No, okay. I, I mean, I, I didn't expect him back. Um, a little surprised that it happened right now, but once you uh peel back the onion, you can uh, understand why they did it. Uh, they uh saved, you know, because I related to when they drafted Pouncey in, in 2010. Uh, they had uh, they kept Justin Hartwig, even though they wanted to replace him with the rookie. Right. And so the reason you would keep Hartwig, even though you, you know, you just extended his contract three years, uh, you reason you want to keep him is because if the rookie doesn't can't do the job or you can't get the rookie you want in the draft. So uh, they kept him. And um, and so I, I was a little surprised in that way that, you know, maybe Mason Colson would have been kept. Uh, Mason Cole would have been kept to to. Uh, uh, guarantee that they'll have a center in case things fall apart in the draft. You know, they, they don't get the Jackson powers Johnson and then they try to wait to the second round to get one of the other guys. And they don't, they don't last to the second round. That could be disaster. But if you look this team, I mean, Hartwig had Doug Ligurski as his backup who'd never started a game. He was undrafted third year player in 2010. Uh, they didn't, the only swing center on that roster was Trey Essex and he had only practiced at center. He was he was believed to be able to maybe play center if if problems arose. This team has uh, Nate Herbig, um, James Daniels, Isaac Ciamalu, Spencer Anderson, Ryan McCollum's been on the practice squad two years. He has just as much experience as Ligurski had. So um, there is a plethora of potential fallbacks in case the Steelers can't get the guy they want in the draft because. The way this organization's been built around center for so many years and so many Super Bowls, uh, you got to believe they want their next organizational foundation piece at that position. And this is a good year to draft it. Uh, so that's why I don't expect any activity at the position in, in free agency, even though the timing of this release makes it look like it will happen that way. Well, what's funny to me is you look at all the releases that have happened so far this offseason. It's, it just seems unorthodox, I think is a good way to put it, based on the timing of it. Like you said, no one was surprised that Mitch Trubisky was released. No one was surprised that Chuk Sikorafor was released, but the timing of it was definitely a little bit interesting. I think a lot of folks out there think that they might be tipping their hand as to their plans for both free agency and the draft. 
what were your takes on all the releases? Was, was there anything else that was surprising to you as it pertains to the release of Presley Harvin? He's still on a rookie contract. Trubisky, a core four. Obviously, we talked about Cole. Anything else surprise you about those moves? Again, initially, I was surprised at the timing because the Steelers don't make moves until they have to. You know, um, just just for instance, the punter. What if what if uh, any their backup punter? Uh, I should yeah. pick a new position probably. But what if <laughs> that guy breaks his leg skiing? You know, yeah. what if what if uh, 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 Broderick Jones, you know, gets hurt skiing? And then they need chooks. But I think if you look at it, I think they decided, no, we're not, we don't even want these guys as fallbacks. We don't even want them as safety nets. I feel that way about Trubisky. I've seen enough. And chooks, you know, if he said what he said, we should take a knee the rest of the way in this game. Tomlin can never forgive that. That's yeah, that's yeah. so that had to go. And um, uh, Harvin, you, you know, you look at him and you say, I can't do this anymore with him. Uh, you know, I think Harvin stuck around because he was such a good dude. He's a strong character, really a good dude. Um, Mason Cole is too, but that's neither here nor there. I, I think they liked Harvin as a person. Um, and at that position, you can you can have better friendly players. <laughs> Whereas, you know, center, I, I really don't care how, how well Mason Cole spoke. He was a Rooney award winner. Yeah. Uh, it didn't matter to me because I, I didn't really seek out his quotes. Some days, I, I mean, there would be nobody in the locker room, but him, some days I talked to him about O-line play, but otherwise he was playing so poorly. There's no gravitas. There's, there's, you know, your quotes are meaningless. Oh, right. it says, the, says the crummy player, you know, it's like, why do I want this guy's quote? I'd rather go, you know, ask Cam Hayward what he thinks about the offensive right. line, you know. Yeah. So uh, really, and, and same with Mason Cole. I don't think they wanted him as a fallback either. And so I, I think they made clear decisions without worrying about a safety net. And I think all these decisions were right. So I'm really not as surprised as I was initially. All right. Fair enough. Now, Jim, I, I wanted to add talk about some broader topics with you that relate to the Steelers. Uh, I, I feel like you're, you're, you're the guy to ask some of these questions because I think you have the context and being with the team, covering the team for a very long time. So I'm going to ask you first for a definition and I want to see if you can give me your definition. This is not anything related to the Steelers. What is your definition of the Steelers way? <laughs> you know, I've been going around asking people that for a couple of years because <laughs> it's a potential book topic. I, I, I want to pattern it after my idea is to pattern it after the Tao, uh, where there's 81 chapters of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then uh, Wayne Dyer uh, used that to then each one, he would break it down. Uh, so I wanted to make 81 different chapters of the Steelers way. And, and I, I don't think there's one Steelers way, even though so many of the people I've asked come up with pretty much the same thing, you know, the toughness and the, the, the hard work. And I, I think it's a series of things. And I wanted to explore all of that. I, I wanted to ask them about their positions. You know, center. Center is the Steelers way. Having a quality center is the Steelers way. Um, having quality pass rushers is the Steelers way. Um, so those are things I'm getting off uh, uh, on a tangent instead of the character of the Steelers, which I, I really can't pin down anymore because – they they got lucky in the in the 2000s that decade uh 
because they had such great character. And so that brought back to mind the 70s. And people said, this is the Steelers way. This is how they do things. They get great character. They draft Heinz Ward, Aaron Smith, uh, on and on and on. I mean, quality people. Those That team won two Super Bowls. They were quality people because they were different. They were great. I don't think it was something they really could plan. You can look at character, definitely. But if you look, a lot of the a lot of the high character guys can't play. You know, uh, the choir boys need to be in church on Sunday. So I'm, I'm a little I'm a little lost on the character uh, issue. I think the culture. I, I don't see the culture as being as bad as people want to say under Tomlin. Um, I see a quality locker room, and you know, A B. You brought AB in, and you know Troy Polamalu seems to think that was the beginning of the culture crash. But I mean, he was a sixth-round pick, and he was so talented. They they knew him from college. He was so talented in college. So, I, and then he then he was so good. So I think they learned to put up with some stuff, which NFL teams have to do. So yeah. I don't know that there's a general character marker that defines the Steelers way. But I, I think, you know, not dealing with free agents in, um, in, in season is a part of the Steelers way. Uh, and I've been exploring all those kinds of different things that right. are the Steelers way that make them unique. But I, I don't want to say they draft character more than any other team. Yeah. Because like you said, you have to draft talent and you just hope that the talent aren't a bunch of jack wagons. They can't do their jobs on a regular basis. But let me let me follow up with this question. So you gave a lot of great examples of what the Steelers way are, both from positional player perspective, as well as the way they go about doing their business, whether it's not negotiating during the season with contract stuff, all that. How this current crop of Steelers and this current coaching staff in the front office how close are they to abiding by those traditions and those, the Steelers way? Cause I think that is something that the fan base and I can speak as a fan here, they cling to the things like the standard is a standard and the Steelers way. And they say these things almost just like it's a slogan, but they believe in it and they live it and they love it. And then they feel like they're being let down when the team doesn't succeed, when they win 10 games and they get into the postseason and then they get shellacked again. So, how far off are these guys is the question you said, and you alluded to the culture in the locker room, not being as bad as everyone thinks it is, which I appreciate that insight, but what else, like how far off are they from this thing? I don't think they have the the talent. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, people, I don't, I can't get my right uh, lighting, right. I'm sorry. It's okay, don't worry. So it, it kind of gets brighter as it goes. And I'm like, wow, that's too much of me. Um. How far are they away? Well, let, let me hit on a couple other Steeler ways, and that is stability in the coaching staff, um, allowing the coach the power in the organization. People people keep asking questions of, of Art Rooney and stuff. How is Omar Khan going to reshape this roster? <laughs> How is Mike Tomlin going to reshape this roster? O Omar Khan is his personnel guy who has his job, but final say is up to the head coach. It always has been in this organization. That's the Steelers' way. So those are other things. Now, how close are they? You know, they people are mad about seven straight years, but I don't know which team was supposed to be that good. Was it the fading years of Ben Roethlisberger, who, whose arm turned to jello and 
and he was, what, 36, 37, 38, 39 in his last four years, and also played well enough to keep them at 500 and, and allow them not to draft a replacement quarterback, even though Lamar Jackson fell in their lap. There's, there's still controversy about whether he would have been good here or not, but still I, I think he's a viable candidate that they should have looked at. Uh, so, um, And then they have a rookie quarterback for two years. I, I mean, finding a quarterback isn't easy. I don't know if you suffered through the 1980s, but it's just not something you could turn on. Right. It, 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 it'll happen for them. They'll find their guy, whether they pass on Dan Marino, uh, trade Sid Luckman, Pass on Sammy Ball. I mean, they have a history of cutting John Unitas. So they do get the franchise quarterback. Sometimes they're not smart enough to keep them or pick them. Uh, so that chance will come. Um, and that's what they need. That That's what they need. They need the foundation. You know, Dar Daniel Jeremiah's conference call the other day was interesting. Someone asked him if people are going to start copying the Lions, the success they had in the last draft by drafting non-value positions. Inside linebacker, running back, strong safety. Um, there was another position, uh, and 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 Jeremiah said they could do that because they had the foundation set. They had the quarterback. They they had the offensive line. They had the wide receiver. The Steelers are getting there, but they're still. I, I can't see them draft drafting. Uh, uh, an inside linebacker, say, just just to pick a position of non-value or a strong safety, even though they really need one, uh, with with the need for a center, uh, a foundational piece, a real foundational piece. They still need a few of those, and quarterbacks one. So um, they're foundational pieces away. I don't think it has anything to do with culture, locker room, yeah. or the head coach. Fair enough. Let's talk about the head coach for a second. You've covered Mike Tomlin for a long time, and he's been here a long time. I believe he's the longest head coach in the National Football League at this point after being hired in 2007. Just in recent years, have you noticed a change in Mike Tomlin in, in any way? It could be that he's become more prickly with the media. I don't care. But have you noticed any changes with him in the last few seasons? Have you seen any philosophical changes clearly we see the players that are being selected and the players that are being brought in and now released but what about him as a coach i'm curious if you've seen anything from being in the press conferences being around him being around the team in the locker room see any changes in it at all i really don't i think that's the beauty of him yeah. i really don't see any changes i mean there are a lot of reporters that think he's been more prickly but i'm not one of them I, I, but i'm not in the press conference grilling him i i take tuesdays off so I'm not in there grilling him and asking him what Omar Khan's going to do. Um, uh, I, I, um, I have a great relationship with him, and it's not the reason why I support him, and I still think he's a great coach. What I, what I see that hasn't changed, which is why he's kept his job, is his energy level. You know, I thought Bill Cowher's message got stale because he was a screamer, and, and after a while that stops working. But then I was wrong about that. He won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so um, Mike Tomlin has that energy. His messages are always interesting. He keeps that team uh, at attention. I don't see what people see uh, when they say he's he's lost the team. His messages is, is dull. He's lost energy. Man, he has not lost energy. You watch him out on the practice field. And that's important for a guy that's been there how many years. 
he has a zest for this, still has a zest for uh, going out and, and meeting uh, prospects on the road at dinner. Loves all that. He loves everything to do with it. I don't see a change. That's interesting because I think a lot of people would say that, and, and there are the detractors that will say that that's, a, that's not a positive, that if you're if you're not changing, then you're getting lapped in the National Football League because the NFL is a constant evolution. We've seen it with the, the offensive, you know, I would say the passing game and the rules definitely helping out the offense as well. But I, I don't know if, if philosophically have we seen enough. So the Steelers, let's talk about the offensive coaching staff for a second. They bring in Arthur Smith, and now they're making a lot of new hires and they're bringing in new positions, offensive assistants. Mike Sullivan gets promoted to senior offensive assistant. I do want to pick your brain about what you thought about the offensive coordinator hire in Arthur Smith. I like it. Uh, and I like that he's going to play to their tradition. He's going to play to the Steelers' way, get behind that running game because of that field, this weather, uh, this division. And it toughness never goes out of out of style. And running the ball, if you can't stop someone running the ball, it doesn't matter how many passing yards they have. You have to be able to pass. And the, and the rules have liberated the passing game, and they should take advantage of it. I think he's still been searching for that. I think he wants to keep that power game identity um, and now he's he's working to uh, 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 Tomlin's working to uh, find the right mix of passing uh, offense because offense isn't his bag he's a defensive coach and that's his defense and he that's one change when he changed from LeBeau he got tired of watching that three four zone blitz with its cover three corners giving big cushions getting ripped apart by Tom Brady I mean, teams figured that out. You just need some accuracy, and you can pick that that cover three apart all the way down the field. So he got rid of LeBeau and installed his cover two that he was uh, coaching in Tampa and Minnesota and more four-man rush, less nose tackle, which only fits today's game. Uh, he's still finding his way with that stuff. He hasn't had a LeBeau-like season as the de facto coordinator. So uh, – um, in those ways, I think he's still searching, and I think I think he's energetic enough to find something. And I, I have hope for Arthur Smith. I think it has more to do with quarterback than than style of play. Even though I'm, I'm excited to see somebody other than Matt Canada coordinate this offense. Was that why? Why was that such a? Was he? I mean, you can say it now because I guess he have. Was this dude? Is he a total jerk? In the, I mean, there's been reports of him being an absolute clown in the facility, and I'm. I don't know if you've ever seen any of that, based on the fact that that he was brought back for a second season. It couldn't have been that bad, right? I had a dinner with him, and it was fine. I I, I thought I saw some social awkwardness. It, as a guy who sits in a, a dark room and watches tape for 12 hours every day yeah. uh, might be a little socially awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know. I think that was missing. I, I don't know how self-aware he was, but I didn't overall jerk. I didn't see that. And and I haven't been digging around to people who work behind the scenes um, to find if he was a jerk. So Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, he just... I think they kept him because when he started, he was uh, coaching a 39-year-old quarterback who had undergone drastic arm surgery, and there was no offensive line for Ben. And, you know, Ben was great to get rid of that ball as quickly as he did, but then when teams locked onto that strategy, they were done. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, 
And then Canada had to coach a rookie quarterback. And Trubisky failed, and the rookie quarterback was a rookie. So I think that's why they brought him back for a third year, just to be fair to him, because he really hadn't been given a shot with a viable quarterback. And then the third year fell apart. And so we all knew, well, you you used your Steelers' patience. You used your Steelers' way with that guy, and, and it didn't work out. Move on. Yeah. I, I don't think the patience really cost them or Pickett. I, I don't. Okay, that's fair. So let's – I want to bring up something, and this is before we go to uh, a special segment I want to do with you at the end of the show. You've been a, a you've been a great friend of the show. You've been on my show several times, the Let's Ride podcast, and I asked you the last time you were on the show. This was prior to oh, no. 2023 about Art Rooney the second, and okay. I said, "What's he like?" And you just said, "In in your answer was he's a lawyer." Like that was your answer. He's a lawyer. <laughs> That's a good answer. It was a good answer. I remember <laughs> it. That's why it's a good answer. Now, I've read your books. You can see some of them on the shelf behind me. And uh, I, it's funny because you had the chief, the lovable loser. Then Dan Rooney comes in, and Dan Rooney was different. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe Dan Rooney. I was not around him. I've only read about him. But then there's Art. And I think Art Rooney the second, like you said, he's a lawyer, and he just kind of does his thing. And he's he's there, but he's not as visible, maybe. I don't know. What's the perception of this guy? And I know that you said he's a lawyer, but there's a lot of people that are wondering, is he more of the lovable loser than his father, Dan? Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't see that. And, you know, I don't know that it's fair to paint the chief as a lovable loser the way he could gamble. You know, he went to the track. (laughs) Maybe just in football. Maybe just in football. (laughs) He was as sharp and cutthroat as they come. I think he was just, you know, he had his duty was to make this franchise survive. He had, he had wanted to move it. And uh, the Washington owner, uh, Redskins owner talked him out of it, said this is a great football town. Things are going to happen when you get players. So it kept him in, in the 40s. And I think he just wanted to get the job done. And then when Dan came in, Dan's, Dan was had his brains and his, his cutthroatness, but also his warmth. Now that's – I don't want to say Art Rooney too is cold. He's not a cold fish. He's just, he's a lawyer. I mean, he's smart enough not to open up his feelings too much like his father and grandfather did. They were warm, embracing Roonies, and they would give you wisdom no matter what who you were or what your problem was. Come talk to me. And they would have they would provide you with some wisdom. Uh, and I can't speak personally about the chief. I never met him, but um, art isn't as approachable. But when I see him, I mean, he, he's warm enough. He's warm enough. But that's always been the perception, especially when he first came along as team president. You know, what's he like? And someone said to me, his wife doesn't even know. So it's not that cold. <laughs> and, and I think, I mean, this is just somebody that doesn't know his wife and family. I'm just, right. I think that's, that's just how the answer was given to me by one person that worked in the building. But there was that uh, withdrawn, calculating look uh, appearance. And I don't know that it's bad. I, I wouldn't call him a lovable loser just because he hasn't done what his his father did. His, what his father did was incredible, you know, starting yeah. with Buddy Parker. And even he he made a bad hire, Bill Austin. So, uh, um, you know, it, his second time was much better with Chuck Noll. Well, I think that, you know, you, you saw the chief and and he was an outward character and everyone knew about him, whether it was the wins or losses or all that stuff. 
you have Dan and the success that he had. And then Art Rooney II is just kind of like this figure that he's there and, and we hear him talking and he goes on television and did his whole circuit on all the, the local mm -hmm. stations and he did his spot with the, the beat writers and all that. But that's it. Like we really don't know this guy, not the way we did his predecessor. So it's interesting, but I appreciate your insight. Now let's finish this segment up with a, a fun segment. This is just your opinion. Okay. So this is like a prediction time, but it's just your opinion. So in no way, shape or form, <clears throat> excuse me, are you speaking for the Steelers or anyone in that organization or even anyone on your website? This is just your opinion. So I'm going to ask you a question. You give me your opinion of the topic. Are you ready? Just my opinion. Just your opinion. Yep. That's what my column, my notes column is always. <laughs> there you go. All right. So who's the quarterback one in 2024? I think it's Kenny Pickett. I think that's been um, pretty much made known. And when they say we want to bring competition in, I mean, that that holds for every position. That was an easy answer that was misconstrued. Somebody gave, somebody opened the door for a coach to answer with a layup. Yeah, of course we're going to have competition. Yeah. Whether that means Mason Rudolph, whether that means uh, Ryan Tannehill, but Kenny, they want Kenny to start. They want to give Kenny the full opportunity, and I think he's going to take advantage of it. I don't think he's as bad as people want to want to believe. I think last year was a bad year for him all around. You know, the sophomore slump, whatever you want to call it, that's always always been an issue. I, I thought he he showed a lot of. The clutch gene. I, I get mocked for saying that, but you know he he showed some fourth quarter moxie that quarterbacks need. Winning quarterbacks need that. I'll take that. Let's start with that and let's continue to improve. But but I, I just remember last mini camp, he was under pressure and running up into the pocket and out and throwing deep. I wanted to, you know why can't this guy work from the pocket, get his read and throw from the pocket. And so I asked Mike Sullivan that, and I said, you know, why, is, why isn't Kenny looking as a pocket passer? Why isn't he getting better at his reads? And Sullivan said, oh, we want him to learn to step up into the pocket and use his mobility. I'm like, oh, they're teaching him to do this. So I'd like to see them work more on his pocket skills and, and, and being more relaxed in the pocket and understanding his reads better. So that's what I'm hoping for this year. So I don't know that it was all Kenny's fault. He, 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 didn't I just five minutes ago say that their patience didn't hurt Pickett? So maybe a little, little bit. But uh. <laughs> all right, follow up to that. Do you think Mason Rudolph is back in twenty twenty four? I think so. I, I think you know Mason's Mason's saying that he's going to test free agency, and he's only smart to say that. Yeah. But I, I think the Steelers want him back, and I think they'll, I think they'll get him. Now, Ryan Tannehill's interesting as well because he's 36. Isn't he 36? But I, there. Yeah, uh, but I think he understands now his role would be as a, a backup mentor type. And I think he would he would embrace that. Russell yeah. Wilson, maybe Tannehill's 34, Russell Wilson's 36. And he would come cheaply, which is surprising, This this the way the contract is set up. You, you probably know a little bit more about that contract than I do, but they can get him for vet minimum. So why wouldn't you like Russell Wilson? His stats were really good last year. He's still mobile. But this is a guy that's going to want to start. I don't know that he would accept being the backup. And I, this is a, this would be an example of the Steelers not really wanting competition for Kenny. Right. So 
Uh, I, I think, you know, if Kenny falters, then they're going to look at the competition. How's the competition doing? But I think they're going to give Kenny every chance and, and in that way not bring in somebody who's going to demand to be starter or pout on the bench. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Do they pick up Najee Harris's fifth-year option? I think so. That number is doable. I'm not the biggest Najee fan. Um, <laughs> we do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there, you had to be impressed by some of the things he did down the stretch, and he fits that Steelers' identity, what they want. Um, so, and, and he's a hard worker. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't know that he adds to the culture because I think he's uh, a bit nasty and when he doesn't need to be. I think he's a bit phony. When he uh, when he needs to be, um, those are my personal opinions. I don't deal with the man, um, but I mean, I can see his value on the team, and he is a hard worker, and that's all fans really care about. Right? He, I, I, th- I mean, beyond his, I mean, he he pointed to the offensive line to reporters. He rolled his eyes one time, didn't give a quote, but you could give see his intention was to disparage the offensive line uh, two seasons ago, and uh, okay. Fair enough. The offensive line stunk, but I, I don't like to see teammates pointing fingers like that. And as he did about discipline at the end of last year, just because uh, it, it's not a college type atmosphere that he had grown fond of at Alabama doesn't mean it, that this team lacks discipline. I've, I've seen Kyle, uh, Tomlin too fiery on the practice field to say this team doesn't have discipline. And also their, their penalties, they're always in the top half of the league and fewest penalties. Uh, I mean, you could fact check me on that and maybe prove me wrong, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've looked it up several times and they're just not as penalized as people want to believe. They just need a quarterback yeah. and right. finally finish the offensive line. It's true. Before the defense gets too old. <laughs> it's a tricky one. It is. Well, th- this brings, that's a great segue into the next question, which is the Steelers draft 20th overall in the NFL draft 2024. Do you predict they trade up, they trade down, or they stay put? Oh, man. You know, Omar could do anything. That's, yeah. that, that's, Omar is a great negotiator, great phone guy. He, he really proved his value in, in the tradings uh, last draft. So I'm not going to – I'm going to – I'm going to say – I'm going to say trade up a couple yeah, spots to get uh, Jackson Powers Johnson. And and if they and here's the thing if they sit tight at twenty, they can trade down a few spots right. and get one of the other two centers. Yeah, Frazier, uh, the guy from Georgia, which his name. Well, no, I, I like the guy from Duke. I think a lot of oh, NFL people okay. like the tackle. He's a left tackle who projects as a center, Graham Barton. Okay, so right. that interests me. Uh, and you know, I. I know center has to be a very intelligent player uh, like Pouncey. And uh, I, I look at Barton as a guy from Duke. So he should be smart, right? <laughs> Frazier, <laughs> Frazier, I just love the fact that he's a four-time state heavyweight wrestling champion in high school. Yeah. And he, But he, can, he comes from West Virginia. And I'm from West Virginia, so I can make fun of West Virginia. So maybe he's not the smartest. <laughs> he's coming from West hey, Virginia. <laughs> at him. At Jeff, <laughs> I'm from there. I can say that. All right, I'm from okay. Wheeling, West Virginia. So there you go. I can't. I thought you were going to say West Virginia high school wrestling is not nearly as good oh. as Pennsylvania because I know I that. I wouldn't school. know that. I did not wrestle in high school, so I don't know. All right, last question. Last question. 
go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you're, no. You want to go ahead? Okay. No. Over under on the total wins early prediction nine and a half. What are you taking the over the under? I had over eight and a half last year, and it was scary ride. <laughs> I, I I gave up and hedged in the final game, uh, the next to last game, which they covered, and then won the next game. So I screwed it up. So I, I don't even want to even look at the over under for this year. Nine. And that's a half. not official. That's just my own line. I. That's not like uh, from a book. That's just my own brain. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to say under nine and a half just to oh, be safe. Yeah. Just to be safe. But I wouldn't take that with anything. I mean, they're they're still building. They're still yeah. building. And we've we just got to see what Kenny has next camp, and, and the yeah. offensive coordinator. Otherwise. I'm just gun shy from last year. I don't even want to think about over under for the season. This team just drove me crazy last year. It was a roller coaster. That's for sure. Now, Jim, I know you've got something in the works. I mentioned your books, uh, Paula Molly, which is a phenomenal read on the clock was another great read. Um, and then you're behind the steel curtain, I think is what it was called, which was, uh, did you not know which book was your book about the, uh, where you traveled around looking at the fan base. That was Steeler nation. Steeler Nation. That's another one that tale from behind the steel curtain. Yes, Jack Lambert loved so much. He gave me an interview for my second book, a Where Are They Now book, which is much more boring than Tales from Behind the Steel Curtain, starring Jack Lambert. So many cool Lambert stories because he didn't call me back, and and, uh, so the second he calls, I just perfunctory uh, made a perfunctory phone call to him and didn't expect him to call back, but he did. I said, "Wow, I'm surprised." He said. I don't normally call people like you back, but I thought your first book was the best Steeler book I ever read. So how can I help you? And so I wrote this kind of dull, men of steel. It's good, but it's not about the seasons. It's about individual players, what they're doing now. And I took a look at a lot of hidden gems, which I thought, which only made people mad. They wanted the Heinz Ward, Ben Roethlisberger. They wanted those men of steel. And, but it was a Where Are They Now book. And uh, Jack, I sent Jack a, a copy. I said, hey, you know, let's let's do your autobiography. And he wrote back and said, as I told you, um, I just I just read Men of Steel. And I have to tell you, I still think your first book was the best Steeler book I ever read. <laughs> and no, I don't want to do an autobiography. That's only for great men like Ronald Reagan. And he named like five Republicans, you know, only for really great men, you know. <laughs> And and so uh, I've contacted him since, and he has upped his stance to, if I do decide to do an autobiography, you're my guy. Nice. And so he goes, how do you how do you see this working out? How do you see this going down? I said, did you ever see the movie Cobb? He goes, oh yeah, Cobb with Tommy Lee Tommy Lee Jones. That was so good. I said, well, I'm Richard Wuerl. I'm the biographer that Cobb tries to kill, chases down the mountain uh, in a blizzard. And he goes, that's exactly how it would be. <laughs> well, outside of the Lambert book, I know you're working on uh, what I hear, I think, a Steelers history book, like the history yeah. of the Steelers. What's going on there? It, it, it's, uh, the, it's a coffee. It seems like a coffee table book. A publishing house contacted me and asked me uh, if I would do uh, 160 vignettes with pictures so I assume it's going to be, and it's going to sell for $42. So I, I think it's going to be a big old coffee table book with pictures and vignettes uh, that capture the history of the Steelers. Um, 
And I'm at uh, out of 160, I have 145 done. I just wow. I'm I'm ready to write the 2010 uh, AFC Championship game where they lose Pouncey and then lose to the Packers because they couldn't handle the Packers backup nose tackle, Doug Ligurski replacing Pouncey. It gave up the pick six, which was one of the key plays in that game. So Pouncey was a real loss. So those are my next two vignettes, and then I'll be left with 13 to cover the final what 14, 15 seasons. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, it's funny. I, I after I finished, I, I finished two books, Polamalu and the Draft Book, on the clock in a row, and then a publishing house bought the Polamalu book and was going to release it in paperback. So all I had to do was touch up some stuff and send them that entire package. And my work was done for the spring. And so I, I'm, I'm looking at a third consecutive book and really not doing any work. So I just went to, I went to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton and uh, went into the library. I know the research uh, uh, guide there and he lets me in and he gives me access to all of it. And so I just started making Steeler notes. I, I, I would spend, uh, you know, three, three nights in Canton and uh, just absorb the entire history of the Steelers. And I've known most of the history and I've been through all these newspaper clippings, but I wrote down because I had three or four books in mind. Oh, this would work for Steelers way. Oh, this would work for the Blitzburg or this would work for my linebackers or Lambert books. See, if Lambert finally begs out of this, I'll just make it all the linebackers. So I've been talking <laughs> to linebackers too. Lamar Woodley said, you want to put me in that book? I said, of course. So he gave me his number. And so I'm set to do like four different books with all the notes I I took in that library, in those library sessions for a couple months. And then I, I went home and ordered all the Steeler books. I I, I reread Rooney, reread uh, the Dan Rooney book, the Art Rooney book, the, the Art Rooney Jr. book, the Shazier book, uh, Cordell Stewart, you name it. I read it. Yeah. And I kept taking notes and say, uh, for this, uh, see page 39 of the Bettis book. Um, so I'm sitting there and they, this, 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 this company calls me and says, hey, we're looking for a guy who has a lot of notes on, on, and can write, write the history of the Steelers. I said, I got like 10 notebooks packed uh, full of stuff. So I, I'm going through all that. And there's some really good nuggets that really aren't known by the, by the fan base and that I'm excited. And it makes – they only want 250 words max on a vignette and all mine are like 249. I've, I've just, I've been condensing. I could write some for 150. They say 150 to 250. I can't do that. I got too much. I get too excited when I do these vignettes. So uh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty cool book. Cool. That's awesome. And Jim, tell everyone where they can find your work at steel city insider. Oh, we have a subscription site at steel city insider and, uh, what I try to sell is I'm going to be the guy to calm you down. I mean, when, when, when some minor news breaks and morphs into some huge locker room catastrophe or drafting foul up, I'm like, wait, Hey, this did not happen this way. Take it easy. Everything's going to be okay. So I'm not, not, I'm not a clickbait guy. And I, I'm like the anti-clickbait guy. So I, I work on uh, understanding and sources and what's going to happen. And uh, we've got an answer man coming up uh, early March. And people love that, especially before free agency starts. So uh, that's my subscription site. And my books are on sale at jimwexel.com. Uh, the Polamalu book is a beautiful cover. It's a big book. It's 400 pages. And it it, it details the 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 
2000s as a team as well as Polamalu. And so um, I think that's a great history lesson. It's only it's only 15 bucks. I think the paperback costs more on Amazon. I, I'm not selling that, but I have uh, hardcovers and they're beautiful and they're great gifts and it's $15. I, I highly recommend those, but thank you for letting me. Thank you. That's at jimwexel.com, but you thank go. you. Yeah. No thank problem. You Thank you for taking the time and being on the show. Make sure you hear Jim on the Steel Curtain Network podcast network. He will be on with the Steel City Insider and Jeremy Ritz. So make sure you check him out. Jim, thanks for your time. I do appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I hope I didn't babble too much. No, you're good. Thank you, Jim. Okay. See you. All right. Thanks, buddy. And a big thank you to Jim Wexel for taking the time, as he always does. Every I see, feel like he joins me at least once an offseason, and he's very generous with his time. I appreciate all his insights and his thoughts on the Steelers, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Hope you're off to a great start your week. Be on the lookout for the Tuesday Mailbag Podcast. And so I'm going to put out the tweet. Tuesday, you can find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And then obviously what you have to deal with is you ask the questions, I provide the answers. There you have it. So that does it for me. You know, we finished out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great start here. We will see you on Wednesday. Good to you.